0: Well, good morning. My name is Kurt. I'm also one of the pastors here. I want to add my welcome to you on this, this uh, maybe unfortunate, but I don't know, maybe some of us are celebrating our last day of the summer of wonder at Faith Covenant Church. It is uh, Labor Day weekend, which always signals the uh, closing of summer and our time of getting ready to go back to school. I'm sure many of you are uh, anticipating the uh, change in schedule, and many of our teachers are already back in the classroom. Uh, I know in our family, we are uh, already back into the uh, change of our Uh, sleep schedules and the alarms going off earlier in the morning. And so we are anticipating that uh, change in this time of year as well. Um, And so we just want to take a little bit of time today to wrap up this uh, summer of wonder that we've been in. We had our intro series uh, where we talked a little bit about uh, how uh, author David Benner in his book, Soulful Spirituality, said that the gift of wonder Uh, really begins with the awakening of our spirits to see the world around us through the eyes of childlike faith. And that is what enables us to begin to see the ordinary world through a whole new light. And we were reminded that uh, Jesus in Luke 18, verses 16 and 17, called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, he said, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then we uh, followed that on with our Rooted in Wonder series where we learned about how through cultivating experiences of awe and wonder in nature and getting out into creation with our kids uh, can help them and ourselves as well and really kids of any age and at every stage of life to discover a more uh, transcendent faith that goes beyond just religious rules and rituals uh, and Sunday morning alone by exposing ourselves to the the incredible mystery and majesty of a God who, who can't be comprehended or controlled, but nonetheless can be discovered and known and loved. Along the way we learn together. How important it is to begin to linger longer in those moments when uh, God surprises us with those unexpected uh, moments of, of his presence and the glory that we didn't maybe expect to see or experience. And we talked about how the more we notice, the more we begin to slow down in life. And the more we slow down in life, the more we begin to notice. The Bible teaches us that who we are today as human beings who are part of God's creation were designed to also testify about God's greatness. Whether we feel like we are all that great or not, that that's a part of who God has created and designed us to be as well. Even as we come to Christ and as Christians in the church are being made more and more like him and are being built into his body, we don't lose that sense of individuality and that sense of calling and purpose that we are uniquely designed by God to fulfill the purpose for which he has uniquely created us and called us to newness of life in him. And so in that spirit, we recognize that a childlike faith is really what begins to open us to that mystery and that wonder of of who we are in this world that God has made and to discover our place in that world. And I just want to invite you to pray with me as we enter into this last uh, sermon in our series. And we're going to talk a little bit about how God's perhaps greatest mystery that he has revealed to us was a part of his intention in creating this world before it even began. Before we get there, I want to invite you to pray with me. God, as we wrap up this summer of wonder, we ask that you would just solidify the seeds that you have planted in our hearts and in our lives through your word and through our time together. God, we thank you that uh, in this day and age, we have the ability to go back and, and re-listen to those messages online and uh, to Uh, remind ourselves of those places where you have uh, called us to go deeper into the places you want to teach us about how you want us to grow and to learn, to not only be able to be good disciples ourselves, but to be able to be uh, disciples, disciplers for our own kids uh, and our own grandkids and to lean into our relationships with one another here in the church. And so as we wrap up this series today, God, I ask that you would give us a sense of how you are calling us not to uh, have a period at the end of the sentence for the summer, but really as a a gateway to the new things that you're leading us to this fall. That this is uh, an open invitation to understand that uh, you are never done with us, but you're always calling us to see the new thing that you are about to do. And you're opening us to the light of your love in our lives to keep moving forward and to trust that each new day is an opportunity to see your love and your grace at work in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we wrap up our summer of wonder today, I want, to take a, I want to close by taking a look at one of the, I believe, truly mysterious and wonderful aspects of God that I believe he has revealed to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And which he has revealed, really, through the Bible, was a part of his intention in creating this world from the beginning. I want to go through a series of passages to kind of set up uh, where I want to go today, and then we'll talk about what I mean in just a minute. In 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 18 to 21, Peter says, "...for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors." But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world. But was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and hope are in God. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for glory before time began. Even Jesus, if you remember, uh, identified this mystery in his prayer for his disciples in John chapter 17, verse 24, when he said, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Are you starting to see the pattern that is presented to us in Scripture is that God had a plan uh, to reveal this mystery that was a part of his intention in creating the world before he even did it, right? There, There was something that God had in mind that Jesus was a part of that he had planned before he even designed and created this world in which we live. Finally, one more passage in the beginning of the letter to the Hebrews says that Jesus himself then is God's ultimate revelation of this plan and his intention for this creation that he's made. In chapter 1 of Hebrews, it starts off with verse 1. It's saying, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, And through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Okay, so that's a lot of scripture, right? We just went through a lot of different passages that kind of lay out this point that I'm trying to help us to to begin to open ourselves to see. And and so what is this mystery that is planned from before the creation of the world that has now been made real and been revealed in Jesus? We you have to hang on just a little bit longer. Because we've been learning this summer that is as we open ourselves to mystery and to wonder, that we begin to see the world with new eyes, with fresh eyes. And as we clear a space inside of us to once again uh, to receive a more childlike faith and to see the world with wonder, we begin to engage the world as, as a sacred reality that exists around us that as we as we become jaded as adults and we become more concerned with about the, the, the solving of problems that, that we begin to miss the, the, the nature of reality that God has wanted us to see and and, and we lose the ability to respond with amazement and awe and the deeper realities that God would like us to experience. And so we are reminded in, in the experience of wonder that we worship a God of mystery who, who delights in revealing him to, himself to us in, in creative and in surprising ways. And yet even as Christians who, who maybe have spent our lives going to church every week and, and, and doing all the things that make us good church people and, and good Christians too, we can often miss the amazement and the wonder of the very truths that we say we believe. And today I want to suggest that when it comes to God, when it comes to the God that is revealed in the Bible, there is nothing more unexpected and surprising. There is nothing more awe inspiring or wonder producing than the mystery that God is a God of grace. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Brothers and sisters, I think too often we can miss the whole point that God's grace truly is amazing. And that we can take for granted this gift that he has given us and somehow think that, that we still have to somehow earn it. That somehow we have to go back to work and we have to figure out how to make ourselves good enough. We have to somehow make ourselves worthy enough. We have to somehow figure out how to make ourselves acceptable enough to be able to be loved, to be able to be accepted, to be able to be worthy And all the while, God says, I've already done all the work for you. All you have to do is accept my grace as a gift. In his book, Dangerous Wonder, Michael Iaconelli goes so far as to suggest that the grace of God is actually dangerous in this world. In order for us to begin to reimagine a more childlike faith, he says it can be helpful for us to look at a child's drawing. Now, I have a few examples for us to consider this morning. There's Pete the cat. Anybody ever draw something like that? Anybody ever have a picture like that on your fridge at home right now? <laughs> yeah, Ellie says, too often, he says, we end up making life and even the Christian faith about teaching people how to color within the line. Make it neat. Keep it nice. Don't be indiscriminate or impractical or scribbled or sloppy. Make sure you choose the right colors. The problem is, he says, that most of us know deep down inside, whether other people realize it around us or not, that our lives never really line up quite so neatly, do they? As human beings, more often than not, our lives are scribbled and sloppy, And we end up coloring outside the lines a lot. (laughs) Which he goes on to suggest is actually what makes God's grace so amazing and ultimately dangerous. He says, what I'm suggesting is that God's grace is so outside the lines of our understanding as human beings that we can only stand in awe and wonder. Christianity is not about learning to live within the lines. Christianity is about discovering the joy of coloring. The grace of God is preposterous enough to accept as beautiful a coloring that anyone else would reject as ugly. Parents, we know what this is about, right? We're willing to, to take that drawing of the, the scribbles that, that looked like it was a failed attempt at art and stick it on the fridge and say, this is, this is gorgeous art, right? This is beautiful. The grace of God sees beyond the scribbling to the heart of the scribbler. A scribbler who is similar to two thieves who hung on crosses on either side of Jesus. One of the two asked Jesus to accept his scribbled and sloppy life into the kingdom of God, and he did. Preposterous, Iacnelli says, and very good news for the rest of us scribblers. Amen. The grace of God is dangerous, he says, because it's lavish, it's excessive, it's outrageous, and it's scandalous. God's grace is ridiculously inclusive. Apparently, he says, God doesn't even care who he loves. (laughs) He's not careful about the people he calls his friends or the people he calls his church (laughs) And there should not be one iota, he says, of room in the church for arrogance because none of us belongs in it. Do you ever find it hard to believe that God accepts you even when your life becomes sloppy and scribbled and messy? I know I do. Right? Yeah, yeah, I know that God is a God of grace. I know that God is a God of love. Of course, I, I was taught that in Sunday school. Of course, I believe what the Bible says, but when it comes right down to, to it, I don't know that if I believe it's true for me today. I don't know if God, I believe God's grace is sufficient for, for, for what's actually happening in my life right now, because gosh, God, I don't know if you know where I was, you know, on Friday night this week, <laughs> Yeah, I, I know, I, I, I've been at church every week for the last month and, and I believe what, Kurt, you're saying from the front and I've been following this, this wonder series and it all sounds really, you know, wonderful. But, but you don't know what's happening at home in my family right now. And You don't, you don't know how, how, how God could make a, you know, a miracle out of the mess and the scribbling picture of what our family looks like right now. I, I don't know how that works. Do you ever find it hard to be accepting of the scribbled sloppiness of the people around you? Sometimes I think because we're so afraid of people realizing how scribbled and sloppy our own lives are, that it becomes easy for us to become so judgmental and quick to criticize everybody else's scribbled sloppiness, right? Because we're afraid we're gonna, they're going to realize how, how messed up we are. Maybe the question really needs to be, how can we all be working together to learn to to do more of extending the same kind of grace that God has revealed to us in His Son Jesus? This amazing, wonderful, lavish, over-the-top, undeserved, unmerited grace that reveals a God of love to anyone and everyone around us in a way that tells people that we love them in the way that we too want to be loved. I think that's in the Bible somewhere too, isn't it? Iaconelli and many other authors and passages in the Bible begin to help us to understand that childlike faith, which we've been talking about all summer, is not for people who think that they need a little help. Childlike faith is for people who are desperate for help, who recognize that they have come to the end of themselves and that without an amazing help that goes beyond anything that they could ever ask for or imagine, they know that on their own, they don't have what it takes to become the people that they want to be or that they need to be or that they wish that they could be and that the Bible says that they were designed and created to be by a loving God who first thought of them before the world even began. Iaconelli also says that for many of us, the grace of God can actually be difficult to believe and difficult to accept because the grace of God changes all all the rules and we like rules don't we because rules give us the control and we don't like when god changes the rules but in the bible we can see that god's grace comes to us and says to you and me i can make last place more significant than first place i can make prostitutes teach others about gratitude I can use lepers to be examples of what true cleanliness is about. I can take uneducated fishermen and make them fishers of men. I can take people who persecute the church and make them the pillars of the church. You see, Iaconelli says that God's grace doesn't exist to make us successful and to make us profitable. God's grace exists to, to point people to a love like no other love that they can't find in any other place because they know that the only way to survive and make it in a world that's fallen and broken and filled with evil is the grace of God that goes beyond anything that we could ever hope for or imagine. And the only place that you can find grace like that is in the person of Jesus Christ. And there is no other spirituality, there is no other religion, there is no other path to God where you will find grace. That is the good news message of Jesus Christ, and that is what Christianity is all about. And that is why grace is so amazing and wonderful, and why we should always be in awe of the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. David Benner, again, in his Soulful Spirituality says, We are always a mixed bag of contradictions that will ever be a mystery to ourselves. But these must be embraced if we are to be fully human. God's grace revealed to us in Jesus is what allows us to live with the very tension of who we are within ourselves. Our mixed bag of contradictions in life is how we learn to trust in God's love and how we can deign to even come to worship on a Sunday morning, knowing where we've been on Friday and Saturday, and to come into worship and say, God, I'm here and I love you, and you know my mistakes, and you know my contradiction, contradictions, and yet you accept me and you love me as I am, and I'm gonna walk away today with a fresh start and a clean slate because of your grace and your forgiveness which you call me to accept as your gift to me each day and every day as I live in grace, because that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It doesn't mean to be made perfect. It means to accept his gift that we live in a state of constant grace, which is then what allows us to offer that grace to other people, because there but for the grace of God go I. Amen? And as we learn to walk with Jesus in a constant state of grace, it's not about learning to live within the lines, but learning to discover the joy of coloring. Because that grace brings freedom to not worry about where the lines are, but to understand that forgiveness and grace allows us to be lavish in loving and and, and being loved by others. The Apostle Paul says that it actually is the pattern of life in this world that keeps to seek us in, keep, that seeks to keep us in line and to conform us to the pattern of rules. While God's grace and mercy is what frees us to rediscover the joy of coloring and to become free to color outside the lines and to fulfill the purpose for why God made us, uh, we won't look at it right now, but if you go back to Galatians uh, and you look at the fruit of the Spirit, right? At the end of that, he says, against such things there is no law. You can't be too loving. You can't be too patient. You can't be too kind. If you go through all of the the, the list of the fruit of the Spirit, there's no way that you can go outside the bounds on those things. You're free to just go for it. But where I want to go is I want to go to Romans chapter 12, which is a familiar passage, because I think here Paul says, For us, it's life in this world that wants to put the strictures and the boundaries around you, that wants to take away your fun and ruin your life. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think Paul's talking about the freedom of living in grace, not the strictures of being bound to a system of religious rules and restrictions. I think it's this world that says, no, you have to be bound by rules and restrictions in order to be acceptable to the world around you and to the community around you. And if you don't live by our rules and restrictions, then you're going to get canceled. There's no grace in the world. There's there's no love in the world. Men and women, we have a message of good news that our world desperately needs. But the world needs to understand that it all starts with grace. David Benner again says, the present moment is the ground on which life is lived. This moment, right now, where we are in this room, it's not yesterday and it's not tomorrow. It's right here, right now. This is where God lives. This is where God is. This is where the Holy Spirit is right now with us. The only route to being fully alive entails being prepared to embrace the now. Not liking something about the present reality doesn't change what it is. Peace comes, he says, only from being one with life and one with the now. And can I suggest to us that it is the grace of God in Jesus that allows us to be at peace with God and to be at peace with ourselves in the now. So we can actually live in the now and not be running from our past or living for a future that may never come. As we wrap up today, I want to suggest that there is nothing in this world that has the capacity to produce greater awe and wonder in us as human beings than truly contemplating and recognizing the mystery and the wonder of the grace of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ, that was planned before the creation of the world, that was accomplished in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ the God who became man to become one of us, to offer the grace and the love of God so, so that we could be accepted into the life of God and who is the promise and the coming fulfillment of all things. I want to close with the words from Ephesians 1, verses 7 through 10. In him, Paul says, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. I want to invite the worship team to come back up front to prepare to lead us in our song of response. Brothers and sisters, following Jesus as his disciples is not about learning to live within the lines. Following Jesus is about discovering the joy of coloring altogether. Childlike faith is for those who know they have come to the end of themselves and are in need of a grace and a love that is greater than anything they could ever ask for or imagine. And the good news message of Jesus is not that we have overcome the scribbled messiness of our lives through our own wisdom and our own strength, but that in Christ alone, through his mercy and his grace, we, all, we have all we need to be and to become all that God has created and called us to be. And so if you are willing to admit that you need that grace today, I invite you to come to the end of yourself and to find all that you need in Christ alone again this morning.